Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode number 23. Yeah, boy. We back. Here we are. We, we back. Are back. Episode 23 today, and we are picking up where we left off on the five families that fucking control the world. Yes, because some people were not happy with us for like moving the schedule around. Y'all really want to know about the families. Yeah, yeah. So we're back on track here. So, yes, we are getting into another family today. <laughs> And it's the bushes this week. So um, this one was uh, just get ready. That's all I got to say. There's a lot of info we're going to be packing into today to into today's episode about them. Um, there's quite a bit. So let's get rolling here. Let's get straight into it. First and foremost, we just want to thank our patrons, all of you guys, and just anybody out there that's uh, sent positive vibes and support our way. We really appreciate it. Um, but especially our stellar patrons, Jocelyn B, Elizabeth B, Rebecca H, Brittany M, Selena M, Marie C, Jake C, Gavin P, Raja B, and Kaylin M. Thank you guys so much. We yes, really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so this week's question actually comes from uh, somebody we've talked, uh, we've gotten a question from before, Kate's 2005. She said, would you guys be more afraid if there were aliens out there or if there were not? That's a good question. <laughs> I think it would be more scary to to think there's not honestly yeah I that think we're so alone too. in the universe because then it's just like what the then what the fuck's what's is the this? point yeah <laughs> what's all this space out here for what's all you know if like what are we actually discovering I mean if that's the case then it'd just be like this is definitely a simulation yeah probably we're definitely just that'd be so weird I think yeah I agree it'd be scarier to not know they exist I would ra- I feel comforted by aliens sometimes like. Maybe since we're so dumb down here, like if we really screw up, they'll come in and help us. Makes me feel better thinking there's like, like we aliens have like out there. People like we have these beings that watch over us that are more highly evolved. Than, <laughs> I like to think they're highly evolved. Yeah, more so than us. Well, they I I think there absolutely <laughs> are others, you know, more highly evolved species and and civilizations out there. Clearly, mm-hmm. I mean, just based upon what we know from physics and science and <laughs> and you know, learning about consciousness and learning about different densities of consciousness and realizing that there's different levels to consciousness. And I mean, it, it's, it's crazy to think about cause we're so low on the totem pole yeah. when it comes to consciousness and being evolved that there's most definitely gotta be interdimensional beings and you know, who knows what else? I mean, yeah, it's crazy. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, where the fuck are you guys? Like I'm, we're waiting, <laughs> we're waiting. I want to see some, something, Hopefully in my lifetime, I hope. I hope we get like a definite sign that we're not alone at some point in our lives. I know some people out there have had, you know, experiences with extraterrestrial, you know, UFOs. Some people have claimed they've even been abducted, like Mm -hmm. I talked about this week on my channel. Um, You know, people that get abducted by aliens and have this experience. And yeah, they but like come you back can't and, know if they're telling the truth or not. Because at the end of the day, you could well, have. Yeah, it's their experience. I, mean, I know. But, <laughs> I could say I had experience and do the same. I thing. have trouble with those stories as much as I want to believe them all because they're interesting. I'm like, I don't know. Well, a lot of people it's point confusing. out like the stories that where people have really, really specific details about the story and exactly like the, remembering weird specific things about it. And I guess that's kind of a is sign of like, deception. Yeah, that is. When people just have like two specific of yeah. things, it's like really you thought this you're out having a this too much. profound of experience, and you remember like what color that you know lever was or something. It's like, yeah. I mean, not saying that you know, yeah, nobody has these types of profound experiences, but 
But yeah, I mean, it would be cool to see like an actual more solid sign in our lifetime. I agree. Something more I mean, solid than just someone's story. Super Bowl Sunday. A UFO descends <laughs> they over. They just come in. That, they just, just I think like, that's a good plan for them. We should pitch it to them. Why don't they just here's, come? here's what we're offering. You just come down. That will be, be the, the way show. to introduce you because <laughs> more people watch the Super Bowl than vote in our election. So perfect you, time. You know, get the most people that way, clearly. Yeah, perfect time. <laughs> Wouldn't Seriously. that be wild? Imagine the hashtags. Yeah. Hashtag Super Bowl I whatever the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> aliens seriously. come down. Yeah. That would be one for the books. Sorry, my so, chair's a little forward here. Thank you for that question. So we, one thing we want to talk about this week has just been hopping when it comes to like news <laughs> and you know what's going on with, with our country and, and everything else. And so we wanted to briefly talk about what's happening on the border because obviously it's probably the most talked about thing in in the world right now, I would say. And it's incredibly important. I'm sure we'll get comments from people that are like, don't talk about this. We hear about it all the time. It's all anyone's talking about. That's because this is extremely important to talk about. Like everyone should be talking about this. Yeah, and I mean, not not everybody knows that this is going on either. Right, so, right. You know, I mean, a lot of people are just following the news of TanaCon this weekend. <laughs> Seriously. Can't keep up with this. <laughs> what a failure that was. But um, oh, I feel bad for her. I can't imagine the stress, just to be real. Oh, yeah. Since that's a YouTube news. I just feel so bad for the girl. I can't even imagine the tweets and the the stress. And I feel bad for whoever has to like clean this mess up. That's gonna seriously suck. though. Seriously, <laughs> like figure out refunds and everything. Oh, whoo! Glad I don't run co- my own conferences. For real? Is though. it conference? It's a convention. Convention. Sorry, I've yeah. never been to one of these cons. But anyway, we'll do ahead. a woke convention one day, maybe. But that'd be lit. <laughs> That'd Do you guys want to go to a woke convention? Only woke YouTubers invited only. That'd be cool. I have actually. a lot of people we could invite, totally. like true crime. We can make like all un- encompassing under mile higher podcast type yeah. topics. We can just have like a mile higher plenty convention. Plenty of true crime people, plenty of conspiracy peeps. That'd be really cool, actually. That would be great. Cool. Great idea, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, back this to what is we're very saying. important. Yes, this we is important. Absolutely should be talking about this today. So the basic premise is that basically uh, this has kind of been an ongoing situation for the past couple of weeks, but essentially the U.S. government, aka border con- or border patrol, would separate families that were coming across from other countries seeking asylum, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is these people. A lot of these people are, are escaping. Uh, dangerous situations at home, like Horrific. coming from Honduras or yeah. all these other countries um, that are, have a lot of unrest right now and just a lot of crime and gangs. And, you know, it's not obviously every situation, but there are a lot that are coming across that are seeking asylum, which is something that the U.S. offers. And basically what's happening now is is Trump put in this like zero tolerance policy where it's like, you know, because he's trying he's trying to cut down the amount of like criminals and everything else coming in but it's it's a pretty like cutthroat policy that basically allowed the border patrol to separate children from their parents coming across the border and being picked up so that was the whole thing but the main thing is like not only is that sad in itself because i mean i don't know if you guys heard or saw there's like videos and audio of kids just crying for their parents and and guards making fun of them yes yeah and literally terrible things and then there's reports of some of them being drugged there's all kinds of and stuff being going taken on. random places and it's yeah it's very sketchy it's it's really inhumane and extremely sad that like 
I just want to say, though, I feel like a lot of Republicans are, are really uncomfortable with this because they feel like this narrative is being pushed about them. And a lot of them are t- completely against this. I just want to point that out. There's actually a ton of um, uh, Republican representatives that have, like, stood up and, you know, said something. So this is really just so out of character for America. And I think we all, after this week, seeing the progression in it, we've all come to the conclusion that this is just not going to happen here. We cannot allow things like this to happen. There's got to be a better way. There's just got to be a better way. It's completely inhumane. Yeah. I mean, 2,700 children have been split from their parents from October 1st to May 31st. So it's probably more than that now. But that's a lot of kids. And it's just, it's terrible. In fact, one man uh, from Honduras actually killed himself in a detention cell after his child was taken away from him. That wasn't, you didn't hear about that in the news. And that's the the thing about it too, is like the, the places that they're holding these people for quite a while, I think what they say, like 45 days on average or something. It's, it's quite a way it's, it's quite a while. And the detention centers are basically in like a lot of like old department stores, even a Walmart was used and they put up chain link fences and walls to make like basically cages at the end of the day. And then just putting the kids into these cages without their parents and they're young. And I mean, just imagine like, you at that age you know like if you think about you or your kid that got put into this you'd be fucking pissed too you'd be terrified this This is is, so traumatic traumatic yes this will like scar these children permanently it's it's horrible it's really really quite terrible so there was a ton of heat on trump in the white house and you know who's blaming democrats who's blaming this and that but um there was actually new changes that he just he just did um in a release on saturday night the department of homeland security and health and human services said 2053 children were still in custody and awaiting to return to their parents um however these those children will keep waiting in custody with uh reunifications only happening once the parents deportation proceedings are completed um but as part of the reunification effort the government is building out better organized databases linking the parent children's information and whereabouts and working to better facilitate communication between them and so that's that's their answer right now but they're, and they also are no longer supposedly separating the kids from the, the parents now. But that doesn't, you know, there's still 2,000 children that need to be reunited with yeah. with their parents. And they're like, oh, we're going to try to figure out a better way to do to just do it and open communication. But mm-hmm. the ones that have already been taken have to go through all the proceedings and stuff. So it's a really tough situation happening. And, you know, I I feel for everybody that's, I don't know if anybody out there knows anybody that's, you know, dealing with this firsthand or, or whatever, but definitely a uh, tough situation. And, you know, we wish the best for, you know, the situation to get better. And hopefully I feel like we just have goons running yeah. politics these days. It's just like a bunch of goons running everything. And on both sides like, to clarify. Yes. On both sides. We're not, I'm we're not, not even, coming no. for either side. We did, we're not, on I'm, side I'm anymore. independent at this point. So yeah, I, I have an independent viewpoint. I don't, I'm not a fan of either. So, I, yeah. I just think it's there it could be done way better and the, the problem is it's just fucking it's so so divisive right now but enough mm-hmm. enough of that politics stuff um except we have more trump except we have more trump about. news that's true but it's not really <laughs> politics the the other thing this is this, pretty cool the other thing this week was that uh trump officially directed the pentagon to establish a sixth branch of the u.s military in space this monday and he called for a space force to ensure american dominance on the high frontier and and Keyword dominance like Trump basically wants our space army or space force to be the best the most advanced at least he's thinking like uh, Out there. 
I mean, I don't know how to put it. Like, at least he's thinking ahead of his time. Because he's right. I think we do need this. I mean, I I agree with him on all of this. Yeah, and I mean, it, it may not even be just a Trump thing. Like, it's, prob- it's probably not. <laughs> but they probably were like, you know, our best chance at getting another armed, you know, another wing of the armed, armed forces made, Trump might be it. You yeah. Know, and bring their argument to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, for sure. Because what was also interesting that happened this week was that NASA came out and uh, with their asteroid plan. Basically, NASA is seriously considering what happens if an asteroid should be headed towards the Earth. What are we going to do? They're only now considering this? Yeah. There's no official. There's not even an official. Until now, just starting to have this. I don't believe there's an official plan. That's good. Thanks, NASA. Really keep there's not safe. an official plan if there's an asteroid headed towards Earth like we're we all just I guess I we're... always thought there were some people off in some secret room somewhere and they had a plan. It's very it's very stressful not that to we think know they of. don't have a fucking plan. <laughs> not that we know. of. I always thought we like had a secret weapon underground that would like come out and like shoot an asteroid down. <laughs> well, listen to this. They they came out with a new report titled National Near Earth Object Preparedness Strategy and Action Plan. It's an 18-page document which outlines the steps that NASA and the and FEMA will take over the next 10 years to both prevent dangerous asteroids from striking Earth and prepare the country for potential consequences of such an event. Hmm. Interesting that it's, I thought it was interesting to bring this up because it happens in the same week that we, you know, Trump signs in into you know legislation a new space force. Yeah, it makes you wonder if there if there's actual threats out there that NASA knows about, and so they're kind of doing this in preparation for something that could happen. You know? Oh, that's scary. <laughs> I mean, that's just my thought. But basically, they don't really have a lot of uh, good ideas of what to do if an asteroid is heading towards Earth. They said they're developing new technologies um, for near Earth object reconnaissance. In which a spacecraft could launch toward an earthbound asteroid and somehow change the space rock's course so that it no longer posed a threat. Great idea. Hmm. <laughs> We're just going to launch a rocket and hope it like somehow like, like, like moves it enough, reflects it or like moves it enough out of orbit. What if it or... just breaks it up and then a bunch of small ones hit us? <laughs> well, they would probably burn up in the atmosphere. That'd be good. Oh, yeah. That, I guess that'd, that'd be good. good. And they're also uh, working on double asteroid redirection tests, DART, expected to launch in 2021. And it supposedly be the first technology demonstration of the kinetic impact technique to deflect an asteroid. And not only that, but they're setting up way more monitoring stations around the world to monitor asteroid activity. So it's it's pretty interesting. And it sounds like our best chance right now is shooting something straight at the asteroid and either breaking it apart or... Redirecting. Moving it out, out of orbit or out of the path of the planet. So, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. That's scary, though. It's like, you always have to wonder whenever they're, like, start working on, like, these disaster, you know, plans. I wonder how long they would know in advance. Well, I think we could probably see it coming from quite a ways away. Like, they, the astron- I think astronomers would probably be able to figure out, like, the trajectory of the actual asteroid if it was going to come close enough. They've been able to do that in the past. I mean... Asteroids have come super close to the Earth, wow. almost hitting it a number of times. Yeah. So maybe there's an asteroid on its way, and it's like 20 years out or something, and they're like, shit, we got to get to work and figure out what to do about this. Cause <laughs> oh, that'd be crazy. 20 years? That's it. Wow. Mm. 
Because, I mean, if an, basically if an asteroid hits the planet and it's a decent size, it's going to fucking completely probably change this planet entirely. Possibly mass extinction. So, we'll see. Yeah. Interesting, though. All right, but today we are, the family, like I said, we're talking about is the Bush family. And the Bush family, I think we all know, is uh, pretty controversial. Um, there's they've a been l- around a long time. They've been around a very long time. and I mean, in like modern day politics, they're still very much like all of them are well known still. They're very heavily entrenched in history and in our government especially. So the first thing I wanted to just briefly, so you can have some idea of some of the connections that the Bush family has, but George W. Bush, which is uh, the last president or the last Bush president, which I think many of us are old enough to remember. He is related to a lot of people. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, actually. it is really creepy. The number one that was just really mind blowing to me is the fact that he's literally related to Dick Cheney. Yeah, he is. Uh, ninth cousins once removed. And I mean, a lot of people are like, well, that's like, aren't we all like, you know, related and no 11th. I mean, at the end of the day, but I'm for, sure. Listen to all the connections. Right. Okay, ready? So Bush is related to Obama by 11th cousins. And he's also ninth cousins three times removed with Marilyn Monroe. He's also the 11th cousin twice removed of Princess Diana. This is so weird. Oh, my God. He's 32 generations <laughs> removed from Vlad the Impaler, you guys. Dracula. I did a whole video on him. That's crazy. I know. When I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. How? But 32 generations removed. That's a little That's more. That's a lot. I mean, and... I could be like <laughs> fucking Merlin the Wizard. cousins with Abraham Lincoln. That's interesting. The, big, the biggest thing I want to point out, though, is, is that there is, there is a royal, um, royal family connection there. There mm. definitely is with the Bush family, which is oh, interesting. Yeah. So they are related to a lot of a lot of people. But the Bush family is is very large, and we're going to be talking about several generations. Um, I think four generations of Bush, uh, <laughs> Bush family. <laughs> that sounds so weird. Their I don't name, know why Bush. that made me laugh. Okay. So there is. So there's the main ones that we're going to talk about, though, is the Bush family and then the Walker family. The Walker family being the maternal um, grandma, grandpa for George W. Bush. So it all started with um, pretty much Prescott Bush as far as Mm -hmm. the conspiracy goes. Samuel Bush is is the generation even further back. But let's start with George H. Walker and we'll talk briefly about Samuel Bush. So. Like I said, the Bush family has been one, probably one of the most notorious, sometimes even nefarious American families ever to rise to power in the U.S. And many people strongly believe that their deception, thievery, and even possibly murder stretches all the way back to the early 1900s. Which, because it does. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what's interesting about the Bush family is that there are no think tank theorists, there's no college professors, no surgeons or artists among the Bush uh, men. And from root to branch, the Bushes' families rise to power and wealth has gone hand in hand with the fortunes of the oil industry and the military industrial complex. Those are the mm-hmm. two important industries that they've been entrenched in from the very beginning. Guns and oil. Guns and oil. There you go. The Bushes claim an ancestry that goes back to British royalty, but the nefarious modern house of Bush began with George W. Bush's maternal great-grandfather, George H. Walker. So 
going all the way back to George H. Walker. George H. Walker was the president of a Wall Street-based W.A. Harriman and Company. He made his fortune as a war profiteer, working alongside the House of Morgan in purchasing billions in arm, uh, armaments for Britain and France during the First World War, which, if you guys remember, in past family, we are talking about, uh, we haven't talked about the Morgans yet, but when talking about the Rockefellers and talking about the Rothschilds, a lot of them, pretty much all these families profit from war. Yes. And have for a very long time. And still do to this day. Yes, especially the Bushes. And in a foreshadowing of things to come, George H. Walker got a taste for the emerging importance of oil as the engine of profits and war when he oversaw the rebuilding of the Baku oil fields after the war in the 1920s. And at his peak, Walker was the director of 17 corporations and maintained homes around the country, including a 10,000-acre hunting preserve in South Carolina, where, according to his granddaughter, we were waited on by the most wonderful black servants. So this is going back quite a ways and they were very the walker side is very very wealthy as you can tell it's weird to hear someone say servants it's like oh yeah black servants so uh, not necessarily slaves but basically slaves yeah yeah that's still bad yeah george w's other great-grandfather yale graduate samuel bush was the president of ohio-based buckeye steel Prior, Ohio-based Buckeye Steel was run by Frank Rockefeller, brother of oil tycoon and elite kingpin oh, John D. Rockefeller, the same guy that started the Rockefeller oil empire we talked about, and yes. ultimately also the big pharma cartel that exists today. During this time, his clients included the Harrimans, since the U.S. railroads were controlled by E.H. Harriman. Thus, the Bush family began to do business and rub shoulders with the Harriman and Rockefeller's families two major elite bloodlines. Like Walker, Samuel Bush made his fortune during the First World War by producing material for small arms. So going back four generations, they've been in the gun business creating armaments. And of course, it helped that Samuel had become a head of ordnance, small arms, and ammunition section of the federal government's War Industries Board in 1918. Some estimate that during World War I, Samuel Bush and his cronies profited to the tune of $200 million which equates somewhere around $3.1 billion in today's money. So quite a bit of money. All the way back from the very beginning, directly profiting off of war. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about George W. Bush's grandfather, the main Bush is Prescott Bush, where kind of the fuckery really starts. Yeah. Because <laughs> this, is, this is actually kind of crazy. That's where I started in my video. I just started with him when yeah. I did this. Yeah. Which the reason I want to talk about, I wanted to briefly mention Samuel Bush and George H. Walker's because they're they're at the very beginning of the family and the ties to Rockefeller. I just yeah. wanted to note that. Yeah. That they That's really interesting. were a part of the that. elite group that basically set everything up and mm-hmm. got it started. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking, right? Seems like it was like the same motherfuckers. Seriously, time. no. They're, I swear, it's that's how it's been. <laughs> set up. Rigged. So Prescott Bush, this is gonna, this might blow some of your minds. Some of you might already know this, but there are uh, Hitler and Nazi ties to Prescott Bush, and and I'm going to give you information that actually came from the Guardian, uh, which is a reputable news source from 2004, that explains this whole Nazi Bush connection, and it's it's pretty interesting, but it's a bit of a history lesson. So here we go. 
So George Bush's grandfather, the late U.S. Senator Prescott Bush, was a director and shareholder of companies that profited from their involvement with the financial backers of Nazi Germany. The Guardian has obtained confirmation from newly discovered files in the U.S. National Archives that a firm of which Prescott Bush was a director was involved with the financial architects of Nazism, which this is this is pretty, pretty crazy, especially for such a high, you know, high profile family such as the Bushes to, to hear this, hear this news. So his business dealings, which continued until his company's assets were seized in 1942 under the Trading with the Enemy Act, has led more than 60 years later to a civil action for damages being brought in Germany against the Bush family by two former slave laborers at Auschwitz, Holocaust Crazy. survivors, suing the Bush family. Yeah. And the evidence has also prompted one former U.S. Nazi war crimes prosecutor to argue that the late senator's action should have been grounds for prosecution for giving aid and comfort to the enemy. It should have. And it should have. After I explain what they did exactly, definitely should have. And they definitely got to slide by with this one. Yeah, totally. And it's pretty crazy. So the debate over Prescott Bush's behavior has been bubbling under the surface for some time. There's been a steady internet chatter about the Bush-Nazi connection, much of it inaccurate and unfair. But the new documents, many of which were only declassified in 2003, show that even after America had entered the war and when there was already significant information about the Nazis' plans and policies, he worked for and profited from companies closely involved with very German businesses that financed Hitler's rise to power. And you know what? People or some people would say, well, how is he supposed to know or, you know, and, you know, make excuses for even some it, it doesn't it seems a little bit of an indirect connection to Hitler. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're supplying the funds for for a dictator, you know, especially yeah. one like Hitler, then then there's a problem. <laughs> there's definitely a problem. And it's also been suggested that the money he made from these dealings helped to establish the Bush family fortune as well. And that's interesting to note. And set its basically helped set itself up to become this political dynasty that the Bush family has has become. Remarkably, little of Bush's dealings with Germany has received public scrutiny, partly because of the secret status of the documentation involving him. And the person that actually wrote this Guardian article, I want to note, they had to dig through. They found that this is all fact. This is yes. based upon documents that were declassified, never Never given to the American public. Of course not. Dude, the amount of fucking documentation that gets declassified and goes right under all of our noses is crazy. It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. It and if you yeah. want a good site to look up um, declassified documents, The Black Vault, very Black good. Theblackvault.com. He does Freedom of Information Acts. He submits oh, them nice. on all sorts of stuff. Wow. And he, they send him responses back and he, and he uh, archives that all on his, uh, his wow. website. I'll put good it in the description him. and you can yeah. find a lot of this stuff on them. Fight the power. But now the multi-billion dollar legal action for damages by two Holocaust survivors against the Bush family and the imminent publication of three books on the subject are threatening to make Prescott Bush's business history an uncomfortable issue. Yes. For his grandson, George W., who at the time this article was written was seeking re-election. Yes. People so they were, were like, worried that this would start coming out right. and like have an issue. For well, him. can you imagine if a headline broke like, Bush finances Hitler reign or something, you know, like that'd been the end of him. That would never happen to him. And imagine, imagine if, uh, you know, imagine if, who was he running against? John Kerry in 2004? Was it John Kerry? And I think it was. 
no, it was Gore. Or Bush. Gore. No, it was Gore. It was the Gore first Bush. time. When he reran for oh, it? reran it Carrie, was Carrie. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, even imagine you know how many less people may have died if, and we'll get into that. But yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. While there is no suggestion that Prescott Bush was sympathetic to the Nazi cause, the documents reveal that the Fermi worked for Brown Brothers Harriman acted as a U.S. base for the German industrialist Fritz Tyson, who helped finance Hitler in the 1930s before falling out with him at the end of the decade. And The Guardian has seen evidence that shows Bush was the director of the New York-based Union Banking Corporation that represented Tyson's U.S. interest, and he continued to work for the bank after America entered the war. That's And that's fact, 100% yep. fact. Yep. So Pretty crazy stuff. No, I know. It's it's very crazy stuff. There's some some people I should send this article to that always <laughs> doubt me. Seriously, it would definitely, especially if I don't know if there's any Bush fans out there, but I mean, I don't know how you maintain, uh, you know, that loyalty to them after you hear this, because this is, yeah, this is crazy. But there's, it really is. yeah, but there's no suggestion that Prescott Bush was sympathetic to the Nazi cause. <laughs> Did you just call him Prescott? <laughs> <laughs> like Prescott. <Brest. laughs> wow. But Prescott Bush was also on the board of at least one of the companies that formed part of a multinational network of front companies to allow Tyson to move assets around the world. Tyson owned the largest steel and coal company in Germany and grew rich from Hitler's efforts to rearm between the two world wars. Mm. Literally working with somebody that was literally keeping yeah, Hitler going. Keep it going yep. yep. It's just always it's like these connections are like a little bit removed each time. Oh, I know. But they're still there. Well, that's the thing about it. In so many of these conspiracies, it's all about connecting the dots. Yeah. You have to like trace it back. Trace it. You have to, you know, trace the money or whatever it is. You have to connect trace the dots the fuckery, to get the full trace picture. Trace the lies. Because they do this shit on purpose. They do yeah. what they go round about. They trace try the to hide it, cover it up wherever they but, can. But then you always see the same motherfuckers connecting to each other. Yep. No, well, that's well, that's the, the thing and why it's the five families because they literally... They plug into each other and they use each other to help yeah. each other rise to power. Yeah. And I was going to say, too, I forgot to say this earlier, but with like Bush running for president, he had the media on his side in a way because most of the media is run by people that are connected yeah. back to one of the five families. Yeah. And they're absolutely. like in with them. So they're all working together. Absolutely. So and and some, some people topics. What this here, this is a little off, off topic, but it's it's interesting. There's even a lot of people and there's actual evidence to suggest that like some of these big reporters are like placed by the CIA. They're like CIA operatives like Anderson Cooper is one of them. That's some people believe I would is not a be shocked. CIA operative. He's very he's kind of in there. He's, you know, getting a, the inside scoop on things. I mean, these people are not normal. They're like right around in limos. They're like these fancy ass reporters. They get treated like celebrities they're not they barely focus on the news it's all and you about can't money. tell me they don't get invited to some of these secret societies and secret meetings and they stuff. probably do i would not be shocked <laughs> seriously all right back back to the story <laughs> back to the story back to the story the good night this is our bedtime story <laughs> <laughs> this is a bedtime story for a lot of people actually yeah or a cleaning people story like or studying asleep. story yeah or a washing the dishes story what do you do while, while you listen, listen to a podcast yeah do i put know. you to sleep you probably do you have a very soothing voice you put me to sleep i'm like uh. <laughs> <laughs> seriously all right so 
one of the pillars in Tyson's International Corporate Web uh, and the Union Banking Corporation worked exclusively for and was owned by a Tyson-controlled bank in the Netherlands. And more tantalizing are the Bush's links to the consolidated uh, Silsian Steel Company based in Mineralrich, uh, Silesia on the German-Polish border. During the war, the company made use of Nazi slave labor from the concentration camps, including Auschwitz, to work for this uh, steel company that Bush had links to. Fucking Holocaust. Like, people yeah. that had to go, that's crazy. That is crazy. So the ownership of this steel company changed hands several times in the 1930s, but documents from the U.S. National Archive declassified link Bush to this steel company, like I just mentioned, although it is not clear if he and the Union Bank Corporation were still involved in the company when Tyson's American assets were seized in 1942. So that's where they're like, oh, you know, there's a little bit of gray area there. Like, we don't know exactly when things were, you know, when Bush, you know, Bush got out of it, when Bush was in it, or, you know, it's it's like that. But at the end of the day, the connections are there, you know, whether or not they were at the timing was necessarily spot on with when, yeah. you know, they were using slave labor from concentration can't you know yeah, that's the that's the thing about it yeah yeah but the money is is definitely the assets are definitely there and connected to bush so the three sets of archives spell out prescott bush's involvement all three are readily available thanks to the efficient u.s archive system and a helpful and dedicated staff at the library of congress and the first set of files the harriman papers in the library of congress show that prescott bush was a director and shareholder of a number of companies involved with tyson that's been proven fact there's your first connection. There's there's your first connection, all right? Got <laughs> oh that gosh. Bush accent. <laughs> the second set of papers, which are in the National Archives, are contained in uh, Order Number Two Forty Eight, which records the seizure of the company's assets. What these files show is that on October twentieth, nineteen forty-two, the alien property custodian seized the assets of the UBC, of which Prescott Bush was a director. Seized that shit, and he was director. So what the fuck? And having gone through the books of the bank, further seizures were made against two affiliates, the Holland American Trading Corporation and the Seamless Steel Equipment Corporation. By November, uh, the Salesian American Company and other Prescott Bush's ventures had also been seized. And the third set of documents also at the National Archives are contained in the files um, on I.G. Farben, who was prosecuted for war crimes. In a report issued by the Office of Alien Property Custodian in 1942 stated of the companies that since 1939 these steel and mining properties have been in possession of and have been operated by the german government and have undoubtedly been of considerable assistance to the country's war effort boom official report from the office of alien property custodian which actually doesn't exist anymore but there it's in the in the archives saying that these these companies that bush was a director of and and you know had links to was most definitely helping hitler and his fucking regime carry out all the horrible shit that they did that's so crazy but prescott bush was six foot four charmer with a rich singing voice was the founder of the bush political dynasty he really started the yeah. bushes uh the bush family in, in the world of politics America, exactly yeah. exactly and he was actually once considered even a potential presidential candidate himself and like his son george and grandson george w he went to yale where he was, again, like his descendants, a member of the secretive and influential 
Skull and Bones Student Society, which is interesting. And I'll, t I'll talk about that later because he, like he said, all of the Bushes were a part of the secret student society at Yale. And it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. I don't know if it's really, you know, it sounds scary and I don't know if they're necessarily doing anything but creepy or anything, but I'll, I'll explain a little bit more later. But Prescott was an artillery captain in the first world war and married Dorothy Walker, the daughter of George Herbert Walker in 1921. So that's how they got the, the Walker the and the w. Bush family got that. The W got that together. <laughs> So this a lot of this stuff is is his it's important to to know the history of Prescott in order to fully understand where you know where things go. So a lot of it is it's gonna kind of sound like a history lesson, but it's it's interesting, I promise. History is interesting. You should be interested in history. You should. I mean, I I regret not taking history way more seriously in school well, and paying it was attention like to it. Boring back then, and the books are written horribly. They leave out all the good shit. True. So obviously you're not going to be that into it. Plus, they they don't care if you actually are learning about it. They just want to make sure you memorize the names and the words and the dynasties and this and that, blah blah blah. The real fun part about history is like just analyzing it from a human perspective. Mm-hmm. No, totally. All right. So in 1924, his father-in-law, a well-known St. Louis investment banker, helped set him up in business. In New York with Averill Harriman, the wealthy son of a railroad magnate E.H. Harriman in New York who had gone into banking. So this is the basically we're going to explain how they got their businesses started, how the Bushes got their businesses started. Talk a little bit more about the Nazi connection here uh, with the Bushes. So one of the first jobs Walker gave Bush was to manage the Union Banking Corporation. Bush was a founding member of the bank and the incorporation documents which list him as one of the seven directors show he owned one share in UBC worth $125. The bank was set up by Harriman and Bush's father-in-law to provide a U.S. bank for the Tysons, Germany's most powerful industrial family. August Tyson, the founder of the dynasty, had been a major contributor to Germany's first world war effort, and in the 1920s, he and his sons Fritz and Heinrich established a network of overseas banks and companies so their assets and money could be whisked offshore if threatened again. Which is interesting because one of the things, one of the repetitive themes that we've noticed with the families is that they spread their wealth out. They're very yeah. smart about how they invest it, where they put it. Making it less obvious. Make, making their wealth way less obvious than, what, yeah. you know, if they had it all Just in one, under the radar. one pot, what, you know, it'd be a, a lot more. Yeah, they would like outdo the entire Forbes list of everyone on there. <laughs> right. So we're talking about. Um, the Tysons, which are important. They're the, the uh, Germany's most powerful industrial family. By the time Fritz Tyson inherited the business empire in 1926, Germany's economic recovery was faltering. After hearing Adolf Hitler speak, Tyson became mesmerized by the young firebrand. He joined the Nazi party in December 1931 and admits backing Hitler in his autobiography. I paid Hitler. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Seriously. And the Bushes were working with this guy. Yep. When the National Socialists were still a radical fringe party, he stepped in several times to bail out the struggling party. In 1928, Tyson had bought the Barlow Place or Palace in Munich, which Hitler converted into the Brown House, the headquarters of the Nazi party. Wow. The money came from another Tyson overseas institution, the Bang for Handel in Rotterdam. By the late 1930s, Brown Brothers Harriman, which claimed to be the world's largest private investment bank, 
and the UBC had bought and shipped millions of dollars of gold, fuel, steel, coal, and U.S. Treasury bonds to Germany, both feeding and financing Hitler's buildup to war. Which, remember, UBC is that bank that Prescott mm-hmm. Bushy's in. So he's he's working with that. So they're, they're sending shit to Germany, helping mm-hmm. to finance Hitler. Between 1931 and 1933, UBC bought more than $8 million worth of gold, of which $3 million was shipped abroad. According to documents seen by The Guardian, after the UBC was set up, it transferred $2 million to BBH accounts, and between 1924 and 1940, the assets of UBC hovered around $3 million, dropping to $1 million only a few occasions. Hmm. And then in 1941, Tyson fled Germany after, fall- after a falling out with Hitler, but he was captured in France and detained for the remainder of the war. There was nothing illegal in doing business with the Tysons throughout the 1930s, and many of America's best-known businesses or business names invested heavily in the German economic recovery. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, I forget. I think one of them was Colgate, if I remember. I can't remember. There's there's a couple uh, yeah, like American names, companies. Yeah. yeah, major names that that did. However, everything changed after Germany invaded Poland in 1939. Even then, it could be argued that BBH was within its rights continuing business relations with the Tysons until the end of 1941, as the U.S. was still technically neutral until the attack on Pearl Harbor. Hmm. So the trouble starts on July 30th, 1942, when the New York Herald Tribune ran an article entitled, Hitler's Angel Has Three Million in U.S. Bank. (laughs) The Union Banking uh, Corporation's huge gold purchases had raised suspicions that the bank was in fact a secret nest egg hidden in New York for Tyson and other Nazi bigwigs. Wow. Yes. This is an article that ran. The Alien Property Commission launched an investigation. Some claim that Bush sold his share in the UBC after the war for $1.5 million, A huge amount of money at the time, but there is no actual documents hmm. to support this claim. Of course not. They hid everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever gets declassified, you got to know has been like, you know, it's never Picked like through. the, yeah. yeah, it's never the, the good stuff per se. The real version. But basically no further action was ever taken, nor was the investigation continued, despite the fact that UBC was caught red-handed operating a American shell company for the Tyson family eight months after America had entered the war. And that was this, or in that, this was the bank and that had partly financed Hitler's rise to power. Another uh, interesting part of the story, which still remains shrouded in mystery, is the connection, if any, between Prescott Bush, Tyson, Consolidated, uh, Salesian Steel Company, and Auschwitz. Two two Holocaust survivors, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Kurt Julius Goldstein, who was 87 in 2004, so I I don't think they're uh, around anymore, but, and uh, Peter uh, Gingold, sued the U.S. government in 2001 and the Bush family for a total of uh, $40 billion wow. in compensation. Both materially benefited, um, or they both claim that the Bushes materially benefited from Auschwitz slave labor during the Second World War. And Jan Lisman, who is one of the lawyers for the survivors, said, President Bush withdrew President Bill Clinton's signature from the treater, or the treaty, <laughs> treater, <laughs> tweeter, from the treaty, not only to protect Americans, but also protect himself and his family, which makes sense. Hmm. Lisman argues that the genocide-related cases are covered by international law, which does hold governments accountable for their actions. He claims the ruling was invalid as no hearing took place. Of course. They threw it out because they're like, you can't go after the Bushes. They would have never had a chance. No. They would have, yeah, they would have just, Mm -mm. 
Who's paying? I mean, anyone can file a lawsuit. Yeah, you can sue the U.S. government. It's interesting. It got enough, like enough momentum going that they had to like respond and. Yeah. You know, it was reported on. And in their claims, the two Holocaust uh, survivors suggested that Americans were aware of what was happening in Auschwitz and should have bombed the camp. The lawyers also filed a motion asking for an opinion on whether state sovereignty is a valid reason for refusing to hear their case. That's what they basically said was the reason for not or not listening to the case. And the actual motion states from April 1944 on the American Air Force could have destroyed the camps with air raids as well as railway bridges and railway lines from Hungary to Auschwitz. The murder of about 400,000 Hungarian Holocaust victims could have been prevented. That's so wild. So basically they're like, dude, if they had just done these couple things, they could have yeah. saved a boatload of lives because they wouldn't have been able to basically continue. Yeah, doing what they were doing. Right. And this case is built around a January 22nd, 1944 executive order signed by President Franklin Roosevelt calling on the government to take all measures to rescue the European Jews. The lawyers claim the order was ignored because of pressure brought by a big group of American companies, including BBH, where Prescott Bush was a director. That seems to have, you know, that seems to be the trend. You go, yeah. out, you try to go after the big corporations and you get s just smited down. Yeah. No matter what truth you're bringing. Mm -hmm. uh, their lawyer said, if we have a positive ruling from the court, it would, it will cause President Bush huge problems and make him personally liable to pay compensation. You think? Yeah. The U.S. government and the Bush family deny all claims against them. Conveniently. Because it's like, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they'll, you know. They're the big dogs, so they're gonna, they're gonna win. Yep, it's all about power. Well, that was crazy. I, I always, I always was wondering. I was like, did any of the Holocaust survivors like go and sue the fuck out of, you know? Yeah, someone. You know, and the, we'll have to go into another podcast about the Nazis. Like you just did a video about them, and and it's yeah. so interesting to hear like the, um, the theories about Hitler them escaping, escaping to South America, yeah. which a lot of them did, and. Mm -hmm. if Hitler, you know, Hitler Argentina. faked a su own suicide or something, you know? Yeah. And in an attempt to, to escape. It's really interesting stuff. I think he definitely could have. I mean, I honestly believe it because basically, if you didn't see my video, the main bit of evidence is that like Hitler's skull, the skull that we were always presented had a bullet hole in it and they were like, oh, this is Hitler's skull. He shot himself in the head. Well, they did DNA, you know, tests on it more recently, and it's a woman's skull, a 40-year-old woman's skull, so we have no physical proof that Hitler died. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it's, I mean, some people, and the theories even go as far as say that there's literally, like, a not, there's Nazi bases still up and running, maybe in Antarctica. Yeah. You know, maybe <laughs> I in talked about remote places. Very interesting stuff. It is. But some conspiracy theories. So, well, I just want to, because we're going to start getting into uh, more conspiracyville here, and just a disclaimer: what I'm about to to read and and talk about doesn't necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Mile Higher Crew here. Um, we're merely talking about things that reporting. other people have. Yeah, we're kind of reporting it. And I think people think that if we say it, we like agree with it, but a lot of time we're just sharing info. Exactly, and I mean, obviously, we're going to share our thoughts and and opinions, but yeah. By no means am I the one who came up with these theories. 
So some conspiracy theorists believe that Prescott Bush was also involved in the failed coup of the 1934 or the failed coup of 1934 to uh, militarily take control of the U.S. government where the plan was to overthrow Franklin Delano, uh, Delano Roosevelt and install a fascist dictator in line with the ideologies of Hitler and Mussolini. That was a pretty, pretty bold conspiracy theory. Wow. Yeah. That basically the Bush family, because of their ties to Nazi Germany, wanted to wanted to essentially do the same thing here. Take out the U.S. president and put in a fascist leader. Prescott Bush also helped the notorious uh, Dole's brothers in establishing the OSS, which is the predecessor of the CIA. So this is so we're starting to understand how because Prescott Bush CIA. Getting the Bush family into the spy business. Prescott Bush rubbed shoulders with the Dulles brothers, lawyers of the Rockefellers, which is, there's another connection. Yeah, damn. Who also had deep ties to Hitler and the Nazis. Mm. So another example where or the Bush family is working with uh, the bad guys, essentially. But John Dulles worked in the Eisenhower administration while Alan Dulles became head of the newly formed CIA. And George H.W. Bush, who was born on June 12, 1924, to Prescott Bush and Dorothy Walker Bush. And six months after the attack on Pearl Harbor, George H.W. Bush enlisted into the U.S. Navy. Yeah, and he was like a shitty military person. Yeah, and that's the thing is they none of them have like this like crazy like victorious like military career or like no. highly decorated military career. No, especially not him. He didn't even complete his full term. He said they said he had six years. It turned out he only completed five. Yeah. <laughs> and after the war, George H.W. Bush became Yale University alumnus like his father and grandfather. So they all went to Yale, which is kind of interesting. But George H.W. Bush gravitated to the oil industry and through family connections made a fortune. George Bush Sr. was viewed as intellectually light. And couldn't win elected office before he became Ronald Reagan's vice president. The only uh, elected office he did get was a seat in Congress as a representative of the oil-rich Texas district with the country's highest number of Rolls Royces per person. Wow. Because <laughs> they're, uh, yeah, they've got their own, they basically have their own oil company called Zapata. Zapata, I think is Zapata. how you pronounce it. Interesting. But... George Bush Sr. held just about every non-elected post that the Republican Party could arrange for him. He was also the chief of the Republican National Committee. He was head of the CIA and U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, where he was famous for writing thank you notes to political donors during sessions and debates. And so one of the things that you like obviously can start making connections is like family helps family. Yeah. And because Prescott Bush was in in involved i mean there's not i didn't see it like i personally i didn't see a ton of evidence suggesting that like prescott bush necessarily like set up the cia because he he definitely didn't that was um i think president roosevelt who set that up the cia yeah. up after the war but he was definitely involved with people and the duelays and all these other yeah. um he had high profile political figures that he knew and probably went to the you know, drank at the same bar. Right. You know, they probably yeah. all were in cahoots with each other in some at some point in time. So let's I just want to briefly talk about this because this is kind of a big one. 
and the that's the bush's family and their connections to the jfk assassination <coughs> which i'm trying to remember i don't know if we talked a whole lot about the bushes and their connection to jfk in our jfk episode i think we did i think we talked about it briefly i don't remember it's yeah, been it like have been 10 weeks brief. yeah i don't remember but basically prescott bush advised eisenhower to run for president and then launched richard nixon into the vice presidency subsequently he was a major financier of nixon's presidential campaign against kennedy so there's that yeah so not a big not a big jfk fans he was a yeah he was actually a avid jfk opponent and nixon had always been a puppet for the interests yes, of the bush family he totally was totally and many people believe that george hw bush lied about the fact that he was a high-ranking cia official at the time of jfk's death because that's where it kind of all stems back to is yeah uh bush claims that he that his cia directorship in 1976 was his first job for the cia but some find this difficult to believe yeah that he was actually working for the cia far Before earlier that. yeah i think i think he was this is what yeah, it gets a little confusing in here and even for me to, to wrap my head around this but yeah. basically there's documents that suggest that Bush was working with the CIA on all sorts of things Including the preparation and financing of the ill-fated Bay of Pigs invasion Yeah, and if Bush uh, was the high-ranking CIA official at the time uh, he made an acquaintance with the now notorious CIA agent and Iran-Contra operative Felix Rodriguez, a veteran of the Bay of Pigs in Operation 40, hmm. which Operation 40 was a top-secret CIA project to train selected Cuban exiles in guerrilla warfare and assassinations aimed against the Castro regime. Interesting. Yeah, because this was all this was all at that time yeah. around the Cuban Missile Crisis and Missile, all that. Yeah, everyone's And this was right out. around JFK. Yeah, that was a big part of his presidency. So the proof for this lie that Bush wasn't working for the CIA prior to his directorship uh, can be found in a document that was declassified in 1988. And this document is a memorandum of FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover to the State Department dated November 29th, 1963. It describes a meeting one day after JFK's murder yeah. between FBI and CIA officials talking about the reaction of the Cuban exile community to the Kennedy assassination. The last paragraph states that the substance of the foregoing information was orally furnished to us in George Bush of the Central Intelligence Agency. That's literally what the document says. So everybody's like, who's this George Bush? Yeah. Well, could it be some just some random dude? What are the chances? But what are the fucking chances? That's the thing. It says it's him, George dude. Bush. It's him. He was on it. Yeah. He tried to say, like, it's not me. It must have been another Bush. No. So, boom, he lies about this. So that's suspicious as fuck. He's working with this. They didn't want him to, they didn't want people to know he right. was in on right. the uh, JFK assassination, which is, we did talk about this during the, we talked about how, you know, the papers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The JFK files. Right, right. Yeah. The JFK files haven't been released. And we think that it's because his, his name name's is in, in it. And he's still, he's alive. still alive. He's holding on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy, man. It's crazy. It is. Literally the name of George Bush mentioned as a CIA official in direct connection to the Kennedy assassination. When asked by journalists, he initially stated, it's not me, must be another Bush. Yeah, 
How many George Bushes are there? Jesus. And this was checked and found out not to be true. When asked again, a spokesperson for Bush declined to comment any further. The obvious question is, why does Bush need to lie about it? Why is yeah. he lying about this? Why don't you want people to Why is to he know? covering this up? And it's man. not like he didn't want people to <laughs> know he was in the CIA, just right, when he right. was in it. When? Because if they can connect because then if they can connect him to JFK's an assassination. Yeah. Dude, I, t- Maybe I thought totally that'd be too medic or too messy politically for his He was totally you know. taken out. He was totally taken out by CIA oh, operatives. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was a combination of CIA and possibly even the mob involved too. Josh and I are going in Vegas. Uh we're going to Vegas in like a week or so and we're visiting the mob museum. And oh, yeah, they have that's a whole cool. exhibit just on JFK. Oh, awesome. And the mob conspiracy. So we're excited for that. God, I wish I knew the answer to that. I wish we knew. Dude, the things that Maybe we will one day. I mean, we might yeah. know one day exactly what happened with that. I know. Like, what if... Maybe they're just waiting for Bush to die. And for it to be far enough removed for it from to people's be far interests. That people are like, who? nobody yeah. cares about the Bushes anymore. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever get the full story, though. But George Bush Sr. is also one of the very few Americans who does not recall where he was when JFK was killed. Which... At the time, that was such a huge event. Yes. Everybody knows where they were, uh, what they were doing when my that happened. My grandma has Alzheimer's, and it's getting pretty bad. And she, to this day, if you ask her, where were you when JFK died, she knew, and she knows exactly the street that she was yeah. on. And she like was watching through a right. TV in a store window. How old is that? That's so crazy That's to crazy. think about. That's crazy, yeah. I mean, People would 60s. stay outside of the TV store to watch the news. Yeah. yeah. No. Is it? 63. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember the date. I'm missing the date, but yeah. But there was a document that was uh, declassified, which places. Yeah, 63. 63. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. You're making me think I'm tripping out. You're making me think I'm tripping. (laughs) You're over here questioning me and shit. (laughs) But did you hear that? There's a document that was recently declassified that places george bush senior very close to dallas two hours within yeah. jfk's assassination so he was fucking there yeah he was he was there he was and i've seen some photos of like people That's why like they can't release like, it dude mm-hmm. totally they, he was imagine totally there. the questions he would have to answer if some of his na- if more of his name was in there yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> god so let's so we're talking about george bush senior and george bush jr um now but George H.W. Bush, or George Bush Sr., worked extensively with President Nixon during the 1970s and always defended him. And like I said, he was officially the CIA director from 1976 to 1977. And after losing in the 1980 Republican Party presidential primaries to Reagan, during which Bush Sr. coined the phrase voodoo economics to describe Reagan's proposals for tax cut giveaways to the rich, he joined the ticket and became vice president. That's funny. Of course he did. He was like, if I can be president, then I'll say whatever the fuck I would say. And during the Reagan presidency, his connections as a as both a former spy master and oil industry crony made him the point man for the administration's funneling of dollars and weapons to Saddam Hussein's regime in Iraq. Which, if you don't know that, the U.S. government literally sells guns, supplies yeah. Oh, yeah. to our enemies, it's to our fucking industry. enemies, the yeah. military industrial what complex. What was that movie that really explained that well, that like funny one with Jonah Hill? 
It's like war, war dogs. dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was interesting. No, it literally, really we literally my sell. Eyes to some stuff, honestly. Yeah. <clears throat> and they crazy. were doing that. They were selling to Saddam Hussein's regime. At the same time, Bush helped with the scandalous deal with Iraq's arch enemy, Iran, where the U.S. illegally sold weapons and used profits to support the brutal Contra guerrillas fighting to overthrow the left wing Sandinista government in Nicaragua. There's another example of that Bush managed to win the presidency in 1988. He's best known as the Butcher of Baghdad, responsible for the deaths of some 200,000 Iraqis during the first Gulf War in 1991 which was dominated by the most intensive aerial bombardment in the history of war. After the war, Bush had an approval rating of nearly 90%. Wow. But wow. this support melted away in the face of the early 1990s recession, and Bush got only 37% of the popular vote in 1992, one of the lowest ever results for a sitting president. Wow. That's when Clinton came in. Yeah. But as president... He invaded numerous poor and developing third world nations to ensure U.S. corporations can essentially steal the resources and set up military bases. And many believe that he oversaw a CIA drug and gun running operations and personally supervised large quantities of cocaine getting shipped into the U.S. via the Mena, Arkansas airstrip. And some even believe there's a connection there with Bill Clinton, which this article I've, says from his partner, his little partner in crime, Bill Clinton. <laughs> I would not be shocked. Either. Seriously, Clintons though, no, are so obviously, probably in cahoots. No, not probably. They are in cahoots with Bush. Yeah. But that's another thing, too, is like when talking about reasons to control, you know, places like Iraq, Afghanistan, things like that. A lot of people think it's oil, but yeah. surprising something that might blow your mind is that American troops guard drugs essentially they drug yeah. poppy or they guard poppy fields which is used to make like heroin and, and uh, uh other types of crops that are used for like cocaine and different yeah types there's of drugs. a whole secret drug but that's why this whole war on drugs is so stupid yeah exactly <laughs> the government is it's literally just like stay out of our market so we can sell it for the most that's yes. what it really means so there's a there's a whistleblower by the name kathy o'brien who is an alleged mind control victim from Project Monarch as well as MK Ultra programs? Damn. And like, if you Google Kathy O'Brien, like, this is like she has a wiki and everything. This is like somebody yeah. that actually wonder what she looks has like. some reputation. Tons but... of the people that went through um, MK Ultra like look the same. It's really weird. They have like these like pointy noses. I wonder if she looks like that. I'm gonna look. But she she accused uh, George H W Bush of being a sadistic rapist yeah. and serial killer. Claiming Bush repeatedly raped her and her young daughter. Oh my god! And ordered mind-controlled soldiers to kill themselves. So obviously, a lot of people are like, "That's fucking crazy." Oh my crazy. god, that's so scary. But dude, when you like the, f that's the thing. You start looking into like MK Ultra, which should be a podcast at some point, and it's just looking into how long like the the U.S. government's been interested in mind control. Yeah, it's and really there's weird. actual documents to support that they have these programs. And they didn't just stop. <laughs> That's funny. It's really crazy. It's really crazy. And like sometimes my mind is like, Josh, you're just, you're just, you know, you're just a crazy tin hat, you know, like no. come back to reality. But no. I'm like, These the are real this is the reality. Things. This is the fucking reality. This These are is facts. This is absolutely declassified real. documents on MK Ultra. There's so many people. That yeah. were in these programs. Written by them. Yes. So, oh my God. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to believe them. I know. But the Bushes have. 
clearly have ties to probably you know going all the way back to like the formation of the illuminati and these all these other elite families and bloodlines and it's interesting because one of uh perhaps one the more famous speeches that george bush senior gave was on the new world order that he wants to create i've heard this and this is a two minute long speech that he that he did in september on actually this is creepy on september 11th 1991 10 years before which is people are pointing at their life coincidence or maybe something more all right here is this is really weird bush senior talking about new world order shit what is at stake is more than one small country it is a big idea a new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind, peace and security, freedom and the rule of law. I, it's often, and that he's one of many politicians to talk about the new world order. So, um, and you know, some people are like, well, he's just saying he wants to like, you know, help other countries out. Well, that's a nice way of putting it, but it's still the same idea right. of more control for them, though. <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, yeah. Yeah. One order to rule the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, new world order. Like, that's basically what he's saying. So George H.W. Bush um, is also been thought to, or actually not thought, he has uh, been to Bohemian Grove. He has straight up been there, and a lot of people think that they yeah. do satanic black magic rituals they there which they do definitely do some weird shit there i mean i don't even know what they do there i don't think any of us truly know what they do there but he is in um a part of that secret society and then also the skull and bone secret society which again one bush after another has attended yale university and each one of them have been a member of the elite and highly secretive skull and bone society 15 yale students overwhelmingly men are chosen every year they come from the best families and are meant to stay connected in business and social circles throughout their lives. So the the skeptics just say this is just a, a crazy fraternity, basically, called Skull and Bones. Hmm. And it's not really this like crazy secret Secrets. society that conspiracy theorists make it out to believe. But it if is it interesting that... it was a fraternity, that, why don't they just call it a fraternity? Yeah, it's very weird. But apparently initiates into Skull and Bones are brought into the tomb, a dark windowless crypt in New Haven, with a roof that serves as a landing pad for the society's private helicopter. So this is like the rich. This is like richy rich kids. They are sworn to silence and told they must forever deny that they are members. Which, I mean, if this is the case, and I don't even know who whoever is telling us this information. Like, yeah, <laughs> what are you doing, bro? But during the initi- initiation, the juniors wrestle in mud and are physically beaten to represent their death to the world as they have known it. Then the initiates are given a new name as the member of the order. At this point, the new members are introduced to artifacts kept in the tomb, which allegedly they include Nazi memorabilia, such as a set of Hitler's silverware, dozens of skulls, and an assortment of coffins and skeletons, which this could be literally like made up. But maybe that's what they're doing. And it's interesting that they're all part of this secret. Like how many fraternity? I guess I guess that is the thing, though. I mean, you you were in Greek life, like yeah. It's secret. They're all very secretive, aren't they? Isn't that their thing to be secretive? Yeah. Like even the fraternities, like would the, does that make sense to you? Like would they could they do something weird like that? Like 
you like be secret be about like we're it. the secret society you can never tell anybody about this or we'll yeah like... well yeah we had the same rules in my sorority like you can't there was like ritual stuff that they're like oh secrets and then but then like i found out what they are and i still can't tell anyone to this day don't want anyone coming for me but <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was nothing exciting though it was like our secret yeah things we had do you it think that they probably were actually... do you think that description of that was probably sensationalized or like made up possibly like could you imagine a fraternity that would do that kind of stuff but like, they're not a fraternity no well that's that's the well they're a secret society but they're at yale university so they're but affiliated they with it with the school i don't know because like i don't know how they would have the, i mean the school, school. Ha takes a lot of responsibility when registered you're not allowed to haze or do any secret things like this i mean this was a long time ago it's a secret society, but, so I don't think it's affiliated officially with the school. Yeah, I highly doubt Yale like is sponsoring this or not sponsoring it. But no, like, no, no, no. I don't it. think so. I think it's completely. Well, then if I mean, all games, all, all, yeah, yeah, all bets are off. There could Seriously. be no, it literally could be. No, you're right. If it's not like an official, there's plenty of secret societies that aren't even at colleges with college students, and they do crazy shit. And yeah, stop maybe them. it's like part of the thing is they get you young. Yeah, they initiate you young through college mm -hmm. and then tell you what you're the playing secrets at. are very enticing like i must say like going through greek life and stuff like it's like oh what could the secrets be yeah i know oh, and totally. then you find out and you're like damn that was really <laughs> lame like, <laughs> like ah that's it yeah ah, okay. i thought there was something really cool here okay. but i mean i can only speak for my sorority but okay that's a cool. long time ago for me all right let's go all right let's talk about iraq and the bush family because this is okay. perhaps one of the biggest connections here so as head of the CIA in the <laughs> mid-1970s, George Bush Sr. inherited the agency's covert history of support for Saddam Hussein's rise to the top of the Iraqi regime. As vice president under Ronald Reagan, one of his chief tasks was to oversee the administration's support for Iraq. It is increasingly clear that George Bush, largely operating behind the scenes through the 1980s, initiated and supported much of the financing, intelligence, and military help that built Saddam's Iraq into an aggressive power that the United States ultimately had to destroy. Wild. And this was said by ABC News' Ted Koppel in 1992. Yeah, they basically created a war for themselves to benefit from. Literally. That's, That's what these families do, dude. Literally. Well, they profit off of war. Their, their, their money is heavily wrapped up in the military-industrial complex, and yes. they don't continue to have the power and influence they have if the military-industrial complex stops. So creepy thinking of one of them being in power, too. It's like... God, they are really representing their own personal interests. Like, not who's up. That's the thing is know? that the literally no regard for human life or anything. It's no. like only about them and who they're in cahoots with. Like, that's literally yeah. all they care about. So a strange mindset. Seriously, it's so selfish. I know. I can't. I just cannot imagine being like that. Like, what? You don't have enough? Seriously. I don't get it. But that's the thing. And that's why it's like. There's got it. There's some underlying thing that they're trying to do. Right. It's they're not trying, just, it's about, not just about the money, money and the oil and the war. Power. There's something else underneath. I think there's a grand plan in motion and they're all just working on it. Well, he said it himself. Yeah. New world order. But maybe that's <laughs> what brings us into the next phase of humanity. I don't know. Flip side. What if what if they're trying to do something good? What if they're trying What the I Illuminati know. and new world order is that. good? You know, they're. That in order for civilization, but that's the thing. It's the way that they're doing. It's, it's hard, the fact that human life. People. Well, that's the thing. But maybe they have the mindset of like the you know whatever. What is it like? Fighter, not fighter. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. So out of it today, you guys. 
not feeling well. No. Oh my gosh. Now I'm just going to forget. <laughs> Never mind. I think so. There's probably someone out there that knows what I'm trying to say. No, like survival of the fittest. I'm yes. Sorry, I could not find yeah. the words. Yeah. Survival of the fittest. Like, do they think that it's worth losing people for the greater grand scheme of things? Is that what they're doing? Yeah. Could be. It definitely seems like there's something underlying. And, and you know, all of us and conspiracy theorists and everybody else out there that questions all of this is like that's our mission is like figuring out what's what's the game plan here like what's what's the underlying thing that they want to accomplish and and that's the thing and like we talked about this i think in the rothschilds talking about like according to what we think or know about the new world order and the illuminati it's like they want to reduce population they want to take control they want to do all these different things so maybe it's that but Bush and other Reagan administration officials facilitated transfers of intelligence, military supplies, and even the components for advanced chemical and biological weapons. Surprise. When Saddam Hussein stepped out of line with the invasion of Kuwait, which threatened a flow of Middle East oil, Bush organized the first Gulf War. After killing as many as 200,000 people during the seven-week war, Bush urged the Iraqi people to rise up against the regime. But when Kurds and Shiites did did rebel, the Bush White House decided they were better off with Saddam's uh, Ba'ath party in power and allowed the regime to repress the rebellions. Thus, Bush Sr. bears direct responsibility for the recently discovered mass graves of Iraqi Shiites discovered by the U.S. forces after Bush Jr.'s invasion. So basically saying that they orchestrated the the rise and basically the rise of the regime and ultimately the fall and and all of the the killing that ensued because of the turmoil in iraq it's just crazy and much has been made of the idea that bush jr was finishing the job in iraq that his father started but it would be a mistake to see the second gulf war as a matter of family revenge and for one thing scores of democrats supported the war and occupation the second bush administration backed up by a host of right-wing fanatics led by Donald Rumsfeld is determined to remake the Middle East and Iraq um, is the first stage. But it's true that history has repeated itself and another George Bush is responsible for the deaths of masses of Iraqis. Many believe that George H.W. Bush's son and Jeb Bush's brother, George W. Bush, set the record for the most mentally challenged U.S. president. Here's why. This is pretty, it's kind of funny. So he gets, he often gets, you know, and well, it's we, like a term Bushisms. Everyone yeah. was saying them like just like weird things that Bush said that were just like awkward. Doesn't, he's just like a very awkward. Doesn't really. Dude. Yeah. Just definitely not who you would think of. Like he's kind of like the awkward, like ugly Goofy. step, stepchild, except he was oh. their son. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> well, you know what? Dude, ultimately this dude, this family, this, this they're dude, war criminals, literally, so. but whatever, he, say what you want. But I think, I think. I think Bush. I think George W. Bush probably knew what was going on with this whole time because he's part of the fam. But do I think necessarily he was like, or like the no. man with the plan, being like, bam, no. bam, bam, bam? No, I mean bam, I don't bam. know. It's hard I mean, though. Knows, it's but. hard to say like what is someone really like. But from from just like I like to think I have a good read on people, and I feel like he just kind of is like roped. He was like born into some bullshit, and he just kind of is like whatever. And they're well, they're you know. Not too bright. Let's well, just say that. You know, no, but I don't think he's like as evil as Prescott yeah. and Senior. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He just seems more. I mean, listen to the dude. He's like. Let's listen to George. Sounds like a goofy janitor. W. Bush. 
so in my state of the my state of the union or state my speech to the nation whatever you want to call it speech to the nation I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully and America needs a military where our breasts and brightest are proud to serve and proud to stay if you're a single mother with two children which is the toughest job in America as far as I'm concerned and you're working hard to put food on your family. Clearly, <laughs> is the question asked, are, is our children learning? Is they? Docs are getting out of business. Too many OBGYNs aren't able to practice their, their love with women all across this country. See, I don't think what? There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on... Shame on you. It fool me, we can't get fooled again. <laughs> He's like, shit, I'm too deep in this one to like abort at this point. So I'm sure like, all I of better you have give it my that. best try. Uh, uh, yeah, well, it's in that J. Cole song, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> fool me one time, shame on you. God. Well, so it's all funny, fun and games when hearing him talk about dumb shit like but that. But then knowing what he was involved in. Well, and by the way, I wasn't trying to say like Bush is innocent. I'm just saying like, I don't know if he's as like pure evil and like the mastermind as much as he's just taking orders and doesn't have a spine is like what I meant. But, you know, well, I mean, that's unless you believe that he was involved and knew about uh, the the biggest, you know, many of us believe the biggest false flag operation of all time. Yeah. And that's 9-11. Yeah. So. We'll talk. I want to just talk briefly about it. I don't want to go into tons of detail because I, I think at some point we'll do a whole podcast that. exploring all of it, um, exploring 9 11 and, and so all of that. But it's so hard to talk about. I know it's very hard, but many people explain that George W. Bush fully intended to invade Iraq and was desperate to find an excuse for preemptive war against Saddam Hussein. And he basically wanted to invade Iraq for oil exploration, was the uh, other motive. But to what extent was the Bush-Cheney administration negligent in not preventing the 9-11 terrorist attacks? They definitely were negligent in preventing. Oh, yeah. Like, if you can prove anything, well, listen to you this. can prove that. Yes, listen to this. Yeah, I talked about this in my video, I think. Oh, good. Good. Well, this is, this is a legitimate question considering that George W. Bush and the White House received on Monday, August 6, 2001, yeah. 36 days before the terrorist attacks, a confidential report by the CIA entitled Bin Laden Determined to Strike in U.S. There was more than that, too, and it went on for a long time. There were multiple countries telling them. Yes, that, too. Yes. Um, there were other countries. There was tons of threats coming in, and they didn't heighten security at all. And they had uh, threats that are specifically going to be something involved with the plane, and they did nothing. And all these people commented on it, like, well, what were they supposed to do? Uh, up security. Everything they did after 9-11 should have done, been done before. And it, <sighs> at least, with, I mean, at the very least, like, yes, the cockpit. We barely had any been, security yeah. back then. There was nothing. They, there was so many ways they could have at least prevented or steps they could have taken to at least try to prevent something from happening. And they did nothing. If nine eleven was was in fact a just a true terrorist attack, right, right. Or if it's, just, I'm just saying, at the very least, people have to hold them accountable for this. This is not a conspiracy. Theory. No, no, no. This, this is, is true. yeah. This is literally. Facts. Whether you There's believe a, they were just being negligent and lazy or you think that this is because they wanted it to unfold how they wanted it to mm -hmm. unfold and they just let it happen. 
And at the time he was getting uh, these reports, uh, George W. Bush was on a month-long vacation at his ranch in Crawford, Texas, and no special security steps seem to have been taken to alert various authorities of the threat. You would think at the very least you would fucking tell people that yeah. this is this is what they think might happen. And so after 9-11, um, some, of the, some Americans were blaming Iraq for the terrorist attacks. And since none of the 19 terrorists involved had any connection with Iraq, because that was the whole thing, right? After 9-11, you know, we invade Iraq and they tried to tie Al-Qaeda into it and tie that into it and mm-hmm. make it seem like Iraq was also somehow, in, you know, involved with the terrorist attacks too. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. In fact, um, of the 19 hijackers in the September 11 attacks, only... Uh, 15 of the 19 were citizens of Saudi Arabia, actually. So that's what I don't understand is like we, you know, set the travel ban, but there was nothing set for Saudi Arabia. Right. So what? Two were from United Arab Emirates and two came from Egypt and Lebanon, but none were from Iraq. Yeah. So why the hell? Why didn't we ever do anything to Saudi Arabia or like, and that's because. Because they do what they want to fucking do. And they they have the oil. Saudi yes. Arabia is so rich and has the oil and is is an I think they're a supposed ally of ours too. Oh yeah. Well Trump just went there and like gave them a bunch of shit, right? Right. So Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's very I think, odd. I can't remember, but I think we'll talk about this more, but I think there's like proof or doc or there's some sort of evidence to suggest that Saudi Arabia knew that this was going to happen. Yeah, too. there is actually. I think there's something. I can't remember what it is, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it on our 9-11 episode. Yeah, but that's going to have to be. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of work to get that all together. Oh, there's so, so much. much stuff. Oh, my God. It's endless. Even proof that some of the hijackers are still alive. Hijackers that blew up in planes are still <sighs> alive. BBC reported on that. Oh, there's so much fuckery with 9-11. It's so crazy. It's honestly mind boggling. It is. But I don't. We won't go any more into that. But right now we're talking about like how the Bush Cheney administration had to create the perception um, in order for us to start a war with Iraq, and that was when the fear of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and the possible links of Saddam Hussein with Al Qaeda were invented, with the active assistance of um, the media, which remember like Saddam Hussein's got weapons of mass destruction. They yeah. went in, never found weapons of mass destruction, yeah. ever. Yep. <laughs> literally. Disgraceful. So literally, literally, they're lying to the American people in order to give oh, us a reason shocking to... shocking. Lying yeah. to the Americans? Yeah. No way. We thought <laughs> we had an open-door policy here. We have a truth circle or, or whatever. open and free press, as they like to say <laughs> they are, you know? <laughs> you got played. That's Sorry, the thing. They don't... Go. They report exactly what they're told. Yeah. Where do you think the news... It's more like the, they tell you what someone... you're not allowed to, t- to talk about. No. And so, so many, like, so many... It, it creates fear. It creates this fear in us that this crazy dictator's got these weapons of mass destruction. So, yeah, let's go in and get it. Even though there is no evidence no. to suggest he did. Mm-mm. And they never found it. And people were mad. People were calling it. There was tons of protests. Yes. And then the whole thing with like Saddam or uh, with Al Qaeda and like links that he somehow was supporting Al Qaeda and then and then Bin Laden and then God can't wait to do that episode because there's so much stuff about how Bin Laden may not even been like 
Yeah. Even really involved weird. with with nine eleven whatsoever. And we don't know that. And we don't know that for sure. Yeah. But just something that's, that's a lot out of there. crazy stuff. Absolutely. But by September 2003, the propaganda that that the Bush Cheney administration uh, pushed had worked so well that according to a Washington Post poll, 69% of Americans had come to believe that Saddam Hussein was personally involved in the attacks carried out by Al-Qaeda, even though there had been no proof of such a link between the two. So that just shows you what a force government propaganda when they use the mass media collaborate. They can do these kinds of things and literally sway the minds of the American public. And this propaganda was instrumental in building a case for a war with Iraq without regard to factual evidence. And like I mentioned, history will recall that the United States did not retaliate against Saudi Arabia, a country that had a lot to do with the 9-11 terrorist attacks, but it did react viciously against Iraq, a country that had nothing to do with the attacks. Incidentally, George W. Bush's brother, I don't know if this is true or not, this is this is kind of a shocker, but George Bush's brother, Marvin Bush, supposedly was the director of the electronic security system in the Twin Towers. Apparently, he also removed the bomb-searching dogs from duty one month prior to 9-11. Was this just a coincidence? Again, I can't verify if that is true or not. But if it is, that's fucking crazy. That is. So... As you, uh, you know, as we all know, there's clearly some sort of agenda here and with the Bush family benefiting at the cost of a lot of, of life and war. But President George W. Bush during his presidency also passed uh, some horrible legislation due to the 9-11 terrorist attacks like the Patriot Act to increase surveillance on U.S. and decrease data privacy, which, you know, a lot of us will be like, if, you know, if you believe that this was a, a false flag operation and that this was all, you know, sort of artificially created, then it was, of course, it's a perfect time for the government to pass legislation and laws that increase the surveillance on us, the people, the American people, you know, collecting data, mm-hmm. telephone calls, all that kind of stuff that all, the Patriot Act basically was passed to do that, to do more of that, to increase security. Yeah, and he also uh, set up the Department of Homeland Security and the fucking TSA that we all love today. Great, the TSA, where you must go be on a power trip to work there. Has anybody met a nice TSA agent? But we uh, need the one. security at the same time. Well, that's the but thing. Yeah, but actually, it's a, I have met. We have met nice TSA agents for sure. We've had, but it's like rare. And like when you do rare. meet one, you're like, hell yeah, yeah thank yeah, you. I'm like yeah. smiling at them, being super nice. I'm like going above and beyond to be like in my best organized way with all my rings off, ready to go and the little metal thing. But yeah, I feel like some of them are just like on a major tech power trip. You're right. They are. Like yeah. so often I feel like they're just being straight mean. Like they're I'm being like personally attacked, it feels like. And but, all and especially to like foreigners. Like we've seen, yes. we've been in the airport so many times where like people are coming in from other countries or you know, and they and don't speak English badly. and they're just treated like, yeah, it's crazy. It's like yeah. a clear drop in s- customer service, service yeah. from Americans to like, say, like yeah. Chinese people coming to visit the U.S. Yeah. Like they're brutal. As far as where we saw. Like, as far Denver as right, that's customs, probably not but... every scenario, but from our personal experience. <laughs> Always got to clarify. Always got to clarify. <laughs> All right. Last Bush we're going to talk about. That's Jib. My name is Jib. Jib. Whose actual name is John Ellis Bush. John I Ellis. I thought his name was Jeb. 
It's not. John L. He just goes by Jeb. Oh, that's funny. I thought his name was like Jebediah or something. <laughs> no, his that's fucking name his is name John. Was. John Bush. John he Ellis should be John Bush? Bush. So why does he go by Jeb Bush? So he's John Ellis Bush Bush? <laughs> that's his name then. Jeb, yeah. No, it is. He's going by Jeb Bush. So. But he goes by Jeb. He probably wanted to have the Bush name as far removed from his shit as possible. That's why he's like, I'm doing Jeb. But it's still Jeb Bush. Yeah, that's His so name funny. is still Bush. <laughs> I always thought it was Jebediah. That's so funny. <laughs> but Jeb was the governor of Florida from 1999 to 2007. However, it's not Bush the politician who should be of interest to us, but Bush... Jeb Bush, the Central Intelligence Agency non-official cover banker. So this is this is getting into conspiracy theories about Jeb Bush. And from my research, I did not see a ton of like concrete, hardcore document evidence to support a lot of these claims I'm about to read. But it is interesting to think about. So he is he is. Uh, he works in the banking. He worked in the banking industry in Venezuela and a Miami-based real estate uh, businessman, money launderer, um, is what people suspect him of. And many people, many conspiracy theorists, believe that Jeb does have CIA employment record that he denies, just like with uh, Prescott. Or uh, no, I'm sorry. Same with uh, George Bush Sr., how he denies working for the CIA prior. So many people believe that Jeb had a similar kind of situation where they're working with the CIA kind of undercover and they deny any association with them. But they believe that Jed um, should fully explain his relationship that he supposedly has with Alberto uh, Duque, a Colombian national who laundered drug money for the Medellin and Cali narco cartels and Nicaraguan Contras while serving as owner of City National Bank of Miami and president of the General Coffee Company of Colombia. Apparently, there was more than coffee arriving in sacks of coffee coming into Miami from Colombia. Duque financed a $30 million real estate development project run by Jeb Bush. So a guy that is running cocaine. In 1983, Duque was conv convicted for fraud and sent to federal prison. Duque hired a Bush family CIA crony to serve as the city national bank president. He was Don Beasley, who previously worked for the CIA's Nugon Hand Bank in Australia. And before it collapsed, the Nugon Hand was responsible for laundering money from the CIA's Golden Triangle opium and heroin smuggling operations from Southeast Asia's Golden Triangle and paying off U.S. surrogates in Asia, including Fernand Marcos in the Philippines, uh, Suharto in Indonesia, Park Jung-hee in South Korea, and various Thai generals. In return for CIA money gifts, Marcos ordered his energy minister, Geronimo Velasco, to have Philippines National Oil Corporation enter into business relationships with three Bush family-owned businesses, Zapata Petroleum Corporation, Zapata Offshore Company, and Overbay Oil Development Corporation. The three Bush firms were also linked to various CIA activities, including, like I mentioned earlier, the unsuccessful 1961 Bay of Pigs invasion hmm. of Cuba. So there seems to be a lot of, a lot of links to Bush firms, businesses working directly with CIA for yeah. CIA operations. Cause we all know the CIA is doing yeah. crazy shit. Yeah. They're doing probably illegal shit. No, they are doing illegal shit. We know that we have actually found that out. 
So if you don't know what the, the Bay of Pigs invasion was, um, it was a CIA financed and trained group of Cuban refugees who landed in Cuba and attempted to topple the communist government of Fidel Castro. But the attack was an utter failure. Jeb Bush's Texas Commerce Bank was also the bank used by the Zapata companies. Most of Jeb's business friends were CIA-linked bankers. In addition to Beasley, Duque, and Abess, these con- included Paul Helliwell, a Miami-based lawyer and the owner of two CIA money laundering banks, Great American Bank of Miami, later bought by the Nugent Hand and, and indicted in 1982 for drug money laundering. Basically, to sum it all up, conspiracy theorists believe that Jeb Bush's rise to financial and political power in Florida is coupled with a trail of dead bodies, failed banks, and savings and loan institutions accused of laundering money for the CIA, as well as dubious characters who serve the CIA assets. So, again, I don't know if that, that's true or not. I don't, I couldn't find a ton of, there's not like, you yeah. know, a ton of documents because this is pretty like profound shit. Yeah. If this is true, then that's it's, crazy. it's pretty fucking crazy that Jeb Bush is still able to walk around with freely. Like, yeah. Like, it, it's kind of crazy to even think that, like, you could do all of these things and be involved with all yeah. these things and, and still people know presence. about it and still be, like, allowed to fucking yeah. run for, like, he ran for fucking president. And that's another thing is, like, what if Jeb Bush had become president, like, instead of Donald Trump? God. Like, another Bush. He seems like such a mellow dude. God, they, I wonder if the they Bush all family do, just really they put all on do. the act, like, hard. Well, that's what a lot of people think. So, basically, to wrap up the episode... And sum it all up for you guys. There are like at least four generations of Bushes who have been involved in starting and or funding both sides in both world wars, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, numerous CIA wars, the Gulf War, actually both Gulf Wars, and then this fake never-ending war on terror. Not to mention drug smuggling and illegal funding of Contra terrorists in Iran and Nicaragua. As well as many believe that they are directly involved with the JFK assassination as well as the 9-11 terror attacks. What do you guys think? After hearing all this, what's your overall sum? Do you do you think? I mean, we know a lot of this is like straight up true fact. Yeah. They have links to, to Nazi Germany. So it seems like the rest of it couldn't just be like coincidence, you know? Again, too many, too many. I just think there's too many links. There's too many connections. The and it honestly makes sense. Together shows that there's something to it and it makes sense. Well, it's like, you know, we're pulling this from somewhere. We're pulling the, we're connecting these dots from somewhere. You know, this isn't just like fantasy, you know, made up Disney shit here. This is like. But he's like an alien underneath his zipper. Jeb Bush (laughs) unrolls his zipper and he comes out. No, it's nothing crazy like that. It's all really, really stuff that's bagged up with facts. I mean, what we know is that the government does cover up things. They've lied about things. It's been proven. And we know that the Bush family does. We know the Bush family does. We know that they do have these ties to sketchy groups. Nazis. and Yeah. Yeah. It goes and way back. Their money is dirty, dirty war money. Dirty, war bloody criminals. money. Their yeah. whole family. Exactly. And the just to think about the amount of like innocent people that died during like the Gulf Wars and stuff is like crazy. Yeah, Hundreds really of thousands of Iraqis lost their lives, including thousands of U.S. servicemen that went over there thinking they're fighting for freedom or whatever else. And they're over there fighting for oil interests. And, you know, these these ties that the Bush family have, you know, Bush interests. It's like crazy to think about. Absolutely crazy to think about. But this is the reality of things. And, you know, 
I'm I'm honestly glad that another Bush is not not in power. But at the end of the day, you know, they're one of many families as we've as we're learning. Yeah. And you know, there we still have to talk about the Morgans and the Duponts. What you're kind of thinking, like we want to know your guys' opinions. We there's um. We're not sure if there's as much on the Morgans and the DuPonts as there is on these other couple families. So would you guys like to see us like combine those two into one or like eh, present another idea? <laughs> I think we could probably. Yeah. If we I just don't want do, it to be too short. No, I think we could probably. I think there's probably enough to do like two and one probably. OK. Yeah. Let me know what you guys think about that. Because I mean, or we can do, sep- or we can do, do their own the separate Morgans episodes and then just the space DuPonts it out. And do space something it out. Else. I think there's going to be the least information on the DuPonts. Yeah. The yeah. Morgans, I'm sure there's a lot. But yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see. But we will be back next week with a really fun podcast. A more um, out there and more like less history, less facts, yeah. more fun and out there thinking. We're going to be talking about John Teeter. Time travel. I know travel. that you guys love that topic. Highly it's requested. It's one of my favorite videos I've ever done. I still don't know if there's any truth to the theory. It's, yeah. it's total theory. There's not a lot to hang your hat on at the end of the day with that one, but it's really fun to look at. So looking it's forward to talking about that. It's super fun talking about time travel, though, and like, yeah, especially considering like it could be very real. You know, Yeah, it could be going on right now. Literally, there could be time travel. We're about to time travel out of here. Time travel out until the next episode. But thank you guys for listening to today's episode number 23 and joining us for the Bush family conspiracy. Yes, it was a blast talking about them bushes. (laughs) Them bushes. (laughs) But thanks again. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, comment. Yes. And yeah, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And stay woke. Stay woke.